Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. Got the whole crew with us this week. Got Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams. Uh, guys, let's jump right into this because it's been kind of a busy week for Georgia sports, Georgia football. Coming off the big win against Auburn, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the two new commitments that Georgia added earlier this week. And then kind of look forward to the Vanderbilt game and talk about uh, Georgia playing a, another SEC East opponent uh, as they get ready to try to finish what amounts to the first half of the season before they have a bye week. And uh, I want to start things off. Let's talk about the Auburn game. Last Saturday, Georgia wins 42-10. to 10. Um, Kind of a slow start, but then in that second half, Georgia really took that thing over. I think they wound up having three touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone. Um, I'll start with you, Rusty. What are your lingering thoughts about that game, how that played out? Um, what sort of stands out uh, now a few days removed from it? Once again, kind of the start, you know, Georgia kind of spoiled you the first couple of weeks being so explosive right out of the gate. Obviously, the Oregon stats and uh, just kind of the, the slower start right now. And, and, you know, I kind of mentioned on the board that something kind of looks off to me with Stetson. You know, he's always had that kind of quiet confidence about him. And, um, you know, they got to find they got to find some ways to hurt you vertically. Uh, he missed a couple of throws, I think, that he normally makes. And uh, but other than that, you like what you see. The offensive line took that game over. I mean, they they really locked in on Auburn and, and started moving bodies. And, you know, after the Missouri game, a lot of questions about the offensive line and to have them play the way they did against Auburn, I think, kind of eases some concerns. And, you know, I kind of thought that was probably the message from Kirby Smart and, and Stacy Searles, those guys challenging them going into that Auburn game, because I'm telling you, when they, they started running the football uh, they were, you know, it would be three or four yards before somebody would hit the back. You know, that's what you want to see it in a perfect case scenario. So, you know, the physicality, I think, of Georgia, a little bit banged up. You want to get through this, you know, win a, win a home game against Vanderbilt and, and desperately get to this bye week because uh, I think Georgia's at a perfect time. They they need some rest and need to heal up a little bit. Kip, uh, what about you? What sort of stood out uh, from what you saw and, and maybe lingering thoughts coming out of that Auburn win? I think the obvious is that Georgia needs A.D. Mitchell back, and obviously Arian Smith, having him healthy would be a huge bonus. They don't have the personnel to stretch the ball downfield. Stetson's averaging a little over 10 yards of completion the last 10 games. I think defenses have adjusted to what Georgia did early on the season, which was passing early and often on first down. So, I mean, now – Georgia's adjusting. They're running the ball more in first down. It's just it's interesting to see how different teams have approached Georgia's offense the the last couple of weeks. Missouri, they they chose to just attack nonstop, try to take away those deep explosives, not give Stetson enough time to go through his progressions. And then Auburn kind of took more of the same approach as Kent State. They sat back, tried to seal that perimeter, uh, which is why you saw the shift to the ground game. Uh, you know, and. Uh, I think Stetson's shoulder probably just made the decision a little bit easier, but I think this is still something they they saw and, and adjusted to. Uh, the focus on the run also just forced the defense in that second half to kind of set its gaze inside, which allowed Bennett to attack outside. And I just credit that that's a chess match win for Todd Monken in that second half when they, they started going back outside a little bit. They found some success there, but again, uh, you you might not get that those wins if you didn't have uh, you know the, uh, the the running attack really having success early on in that game. So I just think it's again it's it's a game of adjustments. Teams adjusted to Georgia's offense, and now Georgia's kind of found a little bit more balance overall. They know they can run the ball when they need to, 
the line is blocking better regardless of scheme, whether it's gap scheme, whether it's man on man downhill, uh, they are performing better. And we, we know who the top seven are as far as the offensive line. You have that group in place, but Amarius Mims starting to take some snaps from Warren McClendon there. And uh, Devin Willick, likewise, he's, he's almost a co-starter now with Xavier Trust. So they have their guys that they're working in, and guys are earning snaps there along the offensive line. I think uh, overall, you still have to be happy where things are, and especially on defense. Uh, the team's doing its job, doesn't have its best player in Jalen Carter, but yet, you know, last year they they allowed 10.4 points a game, This uh, 10.2, I think. This year it's 10.4. So uh, you have to be happy with what they're doing overall, overall right now, but you still have that meat of the schedule kind of looming large, and like Rusty said, uh, you know, get to the bye week and try to heal up and, and put your best team on the field against Florida. Part of it, too, I mean, you guys hit on what I think were, were the biggest um, takeaways or things that stood out from that Auburn game. One, and I wrote about this a couple of days after the game, um, Auburn's not good. You know, I mean, they they just the, – the offense looks a mess. The offensive line, there were several plays where – Georgia had free rushers. I think about <clears throat> one of the <clears throat> one of the breaks Auburn got in that game was that third quarter fumble that Stetson had. You know they have great field position, and you know it would you thought at that point it would take a touchdown for it to really be interesting. <clears throat> and then on third and I think about five, Jamon Dumas Johnson comes right up the middle unblocked, and it, it rushed Robbie Ashford out of the pocket. He winds up, I think, uh, running for it, but not quite getting the first down. They settle for a field goal. Um, but also the offensive line. You know, Cedric Van Pran talked a little bit after the game and talked about kind of feeling challenged, you know, that they wanted to prove their physicality, and I thought they did. I mean, there were a number of runs where, you know, the running backs, I thought, on the whole, did a very good job of, you know, keeping the piles moving forward, keeping their feet moving but, man, you had guys like Tate Ratledge, and, and you know, I, I think uh, Xavier Trust was in there a few times pushing those piles forward even more, getting more yardage. Um, you could tell that that was a chance for them to kind of show themselves and show what they're capable of. I thought they did a great job, and, and man, I, I was impressed with Dejon Edwards in that Missouri game, and I thought he only added to that. I thought he did an excellent job, and, and then, too, Branson Robinson as well, you know, probably his best game as a true freshman at Georgia. Um, you know, I think you have to keep in mind where that Auburn program is right now. But I thought on the whole, there was plenty uh, to like about what Georgia was able to do. And again, got another week, uh, another game before they get a, a very much needed bye week, considering uh, the health on both sides of the ball for this team. They haven't really played any of the upper echelon of the SEC. So I just don't think we still know a lot about what this team can do. Uh, you know, Florida, obviously that Tennessee game, we'll be all be watching to see how they perform against Alabama this weekend and then Mississippi State. I think there's lots of aspects of this of this team, especially in offense, have, haven't really been tested. And but you got to give credit. We, we talked about how young this team was. So many new starters. I think the most impressive thing through six games, half of the season is Georgia's number one in the SEC. They're number five in the country with only four, a little over four penalties a game. I and mean, that's just kind of uh, that aspect of Kirby Smart's team. He has these guys playing focused, disciplined football. I mean, you had the a couple off plays by Darnell Washington that last game. The, the the reason why those plays stood out is because we haven't really seen penalties at all from these guys this year, especially, you know, on, on offense. So I, I think that's one aspect you have to really, you know, 
give them credit and and kind of be excited for because whenever they're tested, I think uh, you know they're going to remember the, these games of, of being able to play focused football out there. I think Kirby Smart can can re- really lean on these guys to uh, to have some long sustained drives to where they they don't have those mental mistakes that cost them. It's kind of turning the page, guys, to what's been a big topic this week. You know, sometimes during these game weeks, every once in a while, we're kind of looking for things to talk about. Plenty to talk about this week because of uh, the recruiting front with Georgia getting two new commits, uh, both coming on Monday. Four-star running back Roderick Robinson flips from UCLA, flips to Georgia. And then 2024 three-star wide receiver Sakovi White up there in Cass, he commits to Georgia. I'll start with you, Rusty, and, and you can kind of take your pick with either of these guys. Um, just the additions that Georgia is getting with this uh, amount of talent, and, and these guys deciding they were going to come to Georgia. You know, obviously familiar with Sakovi White here in Northwest Georgia, young man I've covered since his freshman year. He played in the Georgia League Classic and also went to MVP camp a couple of times. And, you know, he's a true, uh, you know, one that earned an offer. You know, I saw him and the Corky Kell in June, Corky Kell 707, and Grayson couldn't cover him. It, he was a handful for all those Division One kids. I mean, he was a problem for Grayson. And that was kind of the first time I was like, wait a minute, this kid's probably a little better than I think he is. And he goes to Georgia. Uh, Cass goes down for their team 707, and he has another tremendous day. And Georgia worked him out right there and offered him. So, um, you know, here's a guy that's not the biggest guy, but he's also a, a slot receiver uh, type playmaker. You know, very, very quick twitch, sure-handed guy. Uh, got you know, leaping ability. I've seen him jump out of the gym to catch balls. And uh, I, I just think this is a, you know, Georgia needs guys like this right now that can get off coverage and turn an eight-yard catch into 15 or 20, you know, because of the, the ability to break tackles and, uh, just being overall explosive. So uh, really like his makeup, young man that, uh, you know, know, know pretty well off the field. And it's interesting, his family are huge Alabama. I mean, they're huge Alabama people. And uh, I remember walking out of the Corky Kell luncheon, and he looked at his mom and basically said, we're going to get a house divided tag on the front of that car because uh, she had an Alabama tag on the front. So uh, I, I think that I knew pretty much then it was just a matter of time of when Sokovi was going to be a, a commitment from the University of Georgia. Kip, tell us what you know about Roderick Robinson. You know, the, the running back position has been one of a lot of intrigue for Georgia in this 2023 cycle. What stands out to you about Roderick and what Georgia is getting filling? What really looks like a, a pretty significant need? Roderick Robinson is a guy that's been a priority for Georgia for quite some time. He's not a guy that's come out of nowhere. I think Georgia you know, fans will know that Justice Haynes is the running back out of Buford has talked about a lot, committed to Alabama. Rusty will tell you one of the biggest shocks in recruiting in the last decade was uh, him picking the, the Crimson Tide over Georgia. But even before he committed, uh, Roderick Robinson was a guy that Dell McGee had, had zeroed in on as a guy he wanted in this class. They offered him back in May, uh, offered him, I believe, May 17th. The only problem is he'd already planned on committing May 19th. Already planned on picking UCLA as well. So he did pick UCLA, but Del McGee stayed on him. And obviously you look at a guy that's 6'1", 230 pounds, and he's a guy that, I mean, that fits what Del McGee likes. Uh, he likes those bigger running backs, guys that can, you know, really uh, go downhill and, and break tackles. Uh, break, uh, tackle breaking is a huge part uh, of what Del McGee looks for in a running back and a guy who can help you out, you know, uh, picking up the blitz and pass protection as well. 
So I just think this is the guy that Georgia stayed on and uh, UCLA not able to hold out, uh, you know, on it, on his commitment. And so uh, Georgia got him on campus for official visit last week. He, he knew there was no need to wait. He knew when he got back on campus that Georgia was the place for him. He kind of he, he talked about finding that uh, that family feel, that bond, the brotherhood, and made that decision. I think there's a lot to like about him. Again, you you see 230 pounds, you think this is a, a you know just a big straight power back, but he's not really he's not just a straight line guy. He's got some wiggle. He's got some fluid in how he runs. And I think uh, you see on film, uh, again, you got to look at the competition, but he's got a lot of runs over 50 yards already. Uh, obviously had that huge game over 400 yards and eight touchdowns. That's going to stand out. But I, I think that also his ability as a pass catcher, we've seen him in seven and seven uh, this offseason. He's played some receiver. He catches the ball well enough that you can use him like that. So I think, He's got a complete game. He's obviously got the size and the ability to come in physically immediately and help you. And I think Georgia needed a big-time running back in this class. They got it in Roderick Robinson. Let's see if they add another one in high school at the high school level or go, or go to the transfer portal. I, I would I would think they go to the portal to, to get that second back on to help the team this offseason. But I think he's definitely the kind of guy that could just wear that defense down. He can block. He can catch. So you can use him on all three downs, and he can really help out your football team. Looks like Georgia will have two Robinsons there at running back with Roderick Robinson already having Branson Robinson. Uh, before we take a, a break, Rusty, I want to ask you about this 2023 class. Georgia sits second uh, in the nation as far as the 2023 cycle. What do you make of this class, where it stands, and, and perhaps who we may see join it uh, in due time? Uh, well, you know, obviously, here's the one thing, Jordan, that we can't predict because we've never been through a December like what could be with this NIO involved and those types of things. Um, you know, as far as coming up, I, you know, you want to see with Sam and Pemba, the five-star edge guy at IMG, when he makes his decision, he'll be at Tennessee this weekend uh, to see the Tennessee-Alabama game. He's been at Georgia the last two weekends. He'll be back to Georgia the Tennessee weekend. Uh, probably anticipating him uh, seeing Georgia play in Jacksonville. Chris Peel is a guy that I kind of watching on the commit list uh, up in Charlotte, um, you know, one of the top cornerbacks prospects that george has been zeroed in on for a long long time so you know i think 2023 is moving along at a really good pace uh they signed some key guys i think everybody would understand running back and wide receiver are where they've got to close uh my opinion i think i gotta take one more as kip said maybe the portal there uh but i think uh, you look at d line maybe adding one more uh two more there but the explosive playmakers at wide receiver that's one thing that georgia has got to continue to build depth with no doubt about it. And obviously off to a good start with the talent they've got, but uh, we will see what they're able to add because obviously there's a, a ways to go even before that early December sign-in period. So uh, we'll take a quick break. Before we do, I just dropped it in our chat. If you're watching this live on YouTube or also on our Facebook Live, be sure to go to the Dogs247 YouTube page and subscribe. You'll see all our videos there. All the reaction videos after the game on Saturdays that we post up there. Plenty of good content. We'd uh, highly recommend you guys uh, go subscribe to it. So we'll take a quick break and be right back and talk a little bit about Georgia Vanderbilt. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, as we mentioned during that first part of the podcast, <clears throat> Georgia is closing in on a very – 
valuable bye week. But before they get there, they've got another SEC East game. They're going to be playing Vanderbilt on Saturday, hosting Vanderbilt with a 3.30 kickoff. Uh, you know, I, I'll get uh, both of your guys' opinion, but this is kind of a feisty Vanderbilt team. I watched a little bit, and I'm hoping this afternoon to go back and watch what they did against Ole Miss. You know, that first half, they really gave Ole Miss all they could handle. They they led uh, for part of that first half. And then Jackson Dart and those guys at Ole Miss really kind of turned it on to pull away. But uh, Vanderbilt's 3-3 three and three right now, still looking for that first SEC uh, win of the season and also of the Clark Lee era, era there in Nashville. Uh, so, Kip, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts about this Vanderbilt team? You know, I think the spread is something like 38-and-a-half. Um, but what does what we're seeing from this Commodores team coming in before they get to Athens on Saturday? It's definitely a tale of two sides. Vanderbilt's strength offensively is protecting its quarterback, not getting behind the sticks. They only allow one sack a game. That's that's good for third in the country. Uh, I believe they are tops in the conference in tackles for loss allowed, only a little over three per game. Uh, but uh, again. I think that boils down to they know where their strength is, and that's A.J. Swan, a, fr- a freshman from my high school, Cherokee High School in, in Canton, Georgia. He's very smart with the football, especially for a freshman. I think you know there are spots where he could actually air it out more, but Vanderbilt's being conservative by design with the football. I think they, they run a lot of screens, runs, even on third and long. I, I think their their goal is to shorten the game and hide that defense. Uh, you, you look at that defense, it's a – Last in the country in pass defense, they allow over 324 yards a game in the air. Uh, they're near the bottom in, in opposing quarterback rating defense. Basically, uh, they are not affecting the, the quarterback in coverage. They're not getting to the quarterback. He's able to do whatever he really wants back there in the pocket. So the defense is last in the SEC and toward the uh, bottom of the country, I think 122nd, allowing over 36, almost 37 points per game. So, again, I think it's kind of a get-right game for Georgia's offense and for Georgia's defense. Uh, you know, affecting A.J. Swan would go a long way into, into helping out and, and making sure that the Vanderbilt's not able to kind of dink and dunk you down the field. Yeah, mentioning Swan, you know, he's been really impressive as a freshman, completed just under 63% of his attempts, 848 yards, eight touchdowns, and the biggest thing to me, no interceptions. I mean, you think about – uh, the task that is put on him playing in that position coming up and replacing the benched Mike Wright. I think he's done a really good job, again, given uh, his inexperience. Rusty, what do you make of this Vanderbilt team, the things we could see Saturday, and and what they've done leading up to this game against Georgia? Well, if you're Vanderbilt, you're obviously trying to get this thing to the fourth quarter. They almost did it last week with Ole Miss. You know, they're in this thing midway through the third, um, you know, into the third quarter at least, and uh, for Georgia, it's creating havoc. You know, the chaos term they use, Dan Lanning used that while he was here. Kirby Smart used that a lot. I think they've got to be able to get to who I think is a very talented quarterback. Um, A.J. Swan, I had a chance to see him. I can't tell you how many times I saw him in high school. Uh, I saw him almost being a Milton team one night for Cherokee. He had no business being in the game, and he kept making throw after throw after throw, and that's when he sold me that night. Uh, but I'll tell you this, um, Georgia's the better team. You, you go in and you handle business right here and you get out of this thing and you get to the bye week. So, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, we talk about Vandy. I don't think they do anything that should overly concern you. I mean, let's be honest. When you start talking about rosters, I think from the Vanderbilt side, you look at how hard they're playing, the steps are taken. So it certainly shows you Clark Lee and his staff are doing the right things there. But 
Uh, they're a long way off from, from making a, a win here in this game, but uh, would not surprise me down the line if they don't uh, push for one and, and win one this year for sure. Yeah, I'm really interested in their Missouri game, which might be next week, just because I like what they've been doing in Clark Lee's second season. It'll be something to watch. Uh, before we get uh, to maybe some predictions on that game on Saturday, I saw one of the comments. Uh, Nathaniel Pearson uh, said, what's the latest on A.D. Mitchell and Arian Smith? I believe Arian Smith has been able to go. You know, they're kind of working him back into the mix. Um, was looking through the quotes from Kirby earlier in the week. He said, AD has looked better, but he hasn't probably looked as good as I thought he did in pregame last week. I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, they're going to see how things look in pregame on Saturday. And, you know, now they have the benefit of this bye week being right there. You know, I could see them obviously uh, taking the safe route and maybe giving AD another week before, again, we have talked about it over and over on this podcast, just how valuable how important this next stretch of games is going to be starting with that game in Jacksonville against Florida. Yeah, definitely. I think with, with AD, it's, it's uh, you know, he's back. He's not 100%. Arian Smith also getting some snaps in. It's obvious he's not there yet. Uh, I, I don't think you really, you know, you need to use those guys too extensively out here uh, this week. It's, it's just about kind of getting them back on the field and, and getting them back on the field without them getting hurt again. You know, you, you want to make sure you have these guys toward the end of the year. So, you know, this – I don't think we're going to see Georgia maybe solve all of its problems offensively this week, but I still think against this Vanderbilt defense, I don't think there's going to be – you know, uh, uh, they're not going to get pushed a lot. There's not going to be a lot of resistance. So I think they'll be able to call the plays that they want to. Uh, there's no sense in, in trying to get cute here. Get out there, uh, put a man on man, and, and make sure that, you know, you're beating guys that you're more talented at. You're not, you're not outsmarting yourself, and you're not making mental mistakes, as I said. If they go out there and play clean football and, and not turn the ball over, which has been something that, you know, that's kind of popped up uh, in the last month, uh, then they should be able to come out there with a pretty comfortable win and, and get into that bye week ready to prepare for Florida. Before we wrap up this episode, let's talk about predictions. And I'll give you guys a second to kind of think about uh, what you guys uh, see happening Saturday. You know, I feel like over and over on this podcast, I have been harping on Georgia not covering these big spreads. And I did it last week. First half, I was like, oh, man, I look really smart. You know, I said that. Well, then, uh, you know, I think it was, what, 28 and a half, something like that. They wind up winning by 32. So not quite on that. The spread's 38 and a half on this. I hate to keep uh, going the same route because it's kind of made me look silly a few times so far this year. But I'm going to say Georgia just misses covering this. I'm going to say Georgia wins 45-14. I think that's going to be a 31-point difference there. I think this is, like Rusty said a few minutes ago, a Georgia team that's obviously got more talent than this Vanderbilt team that is building and I think doing a pretty good job again in year two. I'm probably going to flirt with breaking what's been a really long SEC uh, winless drought. Um, but I think Georgia wins 45-14. I don't see a situation where we're in the third or, you know, the fourth quarter really thinking that the Commodores are still in this one. Yeah, I got you close there. I got it 45-10. I think this is just one of those where, again, both teams uh, have kind of been toward the the, the top of the, the rankings as far as that time of possession. And I think that's, that's what we're going to have. I think this is going to be one of the, the quicker games. Bo- uh, both teams want to kind of uh, – get this game over with as quickly as possible. And I think for Vanderbilt, that's what you want. You want to limit Georgia's possessions as best you can. 
maybe you know move the chains a couple times and again that's going to result in fewer possessions for both teams so uh, for this i, I think uh, i don't know what the over under is i'm sure it's probably close to 60 but i i think georgia is able to to do what they need to have some success through through the air again with you know the short passing game uh maybe uh they have a couple running backs each rush for over 100 yards in this game and and, and they come out with a clean win uh, i don't think uh covering is really an issue right now i think i think anytime you know you went up by over 30 points you should be happy with that especially a conference win and, and start thinking about the big picture which is that big tough stretch coming up one thing about this game is vanderbilt's got a lot of kids from georgia and I can tell you right now, A.J. Swan grew up a lifelong Georgia fan, Georgia Bulldog fan. They're going to get his best shot on Saturday. Now, he doesn't have the pieces obviously around him, but uh, these kids are going to play hard. And and, and it's going to be personal for a lot of people there and say, hey, you should offer me. I get that. So I anticipate Vanderbilt to come out and give, you know, give Georgia a, a, a good shot and see what happens. But ultimately, I think the roster difference, depth, those types of things, uh, Georgia interested to see how much the how many more carries Branson Robinson kind of earned after the performance last week and what he does there, you know, can Arian Smith get, you know, kind of injected in this offense. Now he should be back almost full go. So uh, I'm going to go Georgia. Uh, I'll go Georgia 42 to 13 and uh, see, I think, I think Vanderbilt is going to get in the red zone a couple of times. And those are those spread game. That, that's the difference. Can you convert in that red zone? If you're going to talk about spreads or if it can hold them to field goals, a, such a big point total like that. Well, before we get out of here, I got to bring back my Georgia men's basketball minute that I know people are clamoring, clamoring for every week. I had, a chan- I had a chance to sit and watch Georgia practice last week. Thought they looked pretty good. Um, there was a few guys, Jason Holt, one of the guys they added from Alabama, I thought really stood out. Frank Anselm, the center they got from Syracuse, really liked what he brought to the table. And then Cario Aquindo, I mean, he looked really good, hit a buzzer beater during one of the four-on-fours that they did. I like what I saw there. wanted to point out there that on Saturday, anybody who gets into town early at 11 a.m., they're going to have an open practice at Stegman. So I'm going to go ride over there, watch them for a while before I go to Sanford Stadium and get settled in. Um, It's been nice, kind of been a nice breath of fresh air as far as the access that Mike White and those guys have given us as they get ready for this first season. And, you know, I think it's going to be a really intriguing season. They've done a very good job, I think, of revamping this roster. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll learn a little bit more. They had a few guys out when we watched them last week. So maybe some of those guys will get back and we can kind of get a better feel for what this lineup's going to look like uh, once the season starts in November. All right. I like it, man. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff over there in Stegman. I'll be interested to see what that looks like Saturday. So we're gonna get out of here on that. Thanks everybody for watching, everybody for tuning in. Hey, I want to thank everybody on the board and all the comments who have uh, wished us well. Uh, my family had a loss this weekend when my grandmother had so much support from everybody, and I really appreciate that. But thanks for everybody for tuning in, everybody for listening. Uh, everybody who's checking this out after the fact. Like I said, in the comments, make sure and go subscribe uh, to the Dogs247 YouTube page. So we're going to get out of here on that. For Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, I'm Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care. Go Braves. Go Braves.